Tracktastic came to be because we wanted to do an event that wasn't about who was the fastest, who got across the line first, and also allowed people that maybe had never been on the track to get some exposure to the track. That was Brittany Morin, and this is episode 157 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Brittany Morin is a Toronto-based chiropractor with the Runners Academy, a 233 marathoner, and the founder of Stridewise Running, a coaching service for runners of all levels. While undergoing a recent rebrand of the Runners Academy, Brittany and her team were asked to reflect on what was important to them, and it kept coming back to community and running for joy. From there, they created Tracktastic, a fun, family-friendly track meet where the winners of each event aren't necessarily those who come across the line in first place. The winner of the prediction mile, for example, is the one closest to their estimated finish time without any feedback from a watch or a clock. The winner of the slowest 100 meters is the last person across the line. Their inaugural Tracktastic in June of 2023 was a big success, but what Brittany and her team did not foresee was the desire for Tracktastic to be replicated by others outside of Toronto. From the moment I saw the advertising for Tracktastic, I knew it was something that could fly in Winnipeg. Brittany was more than happy to pass along her notes and lessons learned to support me, the Manitoba Runners Association, and Athletics Manitoba in hosting a similar event in August. Judging by the smiles on our participants' faces, I can safely say that Brittany and the Runners Academy team are fulfilling their mission of spreading the running joy. At the time of this recording, Brittany was almost 20 weeks pregnant with her first child, who is due in February. This is a jam-packed episode, so let's get into it with Brittany Morin. All right, well, we are thrilled to be joined this evening by Brittany Morin. Welcome to the show, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Oh, it's our absolute pleasure. And as I mentioned in the intro, you are a chiropractor who treats runners. You are a running coach. You are an elite runner yourself and you are pregnant with your first child. So I think we could probably talk for about 10 hours. (laughs) We're going to contain it. You've been on my list. I, I mentioned this to you before we hit record. You've been on my list for a couple of years at least. So I know that you're somebody that I'm very interested to talk to, but I wanted to open this conversation with a whole rundown of Tracktastic because, uh, again, I mentioned in the intro, this is an event that we completely stole from you and, and your brilliant team over in Toronto. So why don't we start with just explaining to our listeners what Tracktastic is and how it came to be? Yeah, so Tracktastic was something that um, myself and the whole Runners Academy team put on in June this year for the first time, and we're hoping it becomes an annual event. And it really, like, we have to kind of take a few steps back as to where it actually came from. We um, did a whole rebrand of the Runners Academy. It started out with like, we needed a new logo, but then we contacted a professional. He's like, no, you got to do the whole thing. We got to like dig deep. We've got to find the words. We've got to find the values, the mission statement, all of that. So we did that. It took some time. But what we came out with is that a few of our big values is community and really helping people to find the joy in running. And with that, we wanted to make sure that we were doing things to give people the opportunity to feel both of those at any level. And so Tracktastic came to be because we wanted to do an event that wasn't about who was the fastest, who got across the line first, and also allowed people that maybe had never been on the track to get some exposure to the track. Um, And so that's kind of where Tracktastic came from. I love it. And I feel like this just completely aligns, wouldn't you say, Kim, with like some of the reasons when we sat and brainstormed this podcast and came up with like, what's the point anyway? Like, what are we trying to do? It was like- 1,000%. Yes, yes. It's like, we love running so much and we know other people do and we know everybody has a story and everybody can find their place in the community, whether- and that's again, I was we were explaining to you before we hit record about like I'm a road runner and Kim's a trail runner and and those are different communities, but there's so much we can learn from one another. And so can you circle around and tell us like where does track even fit in your own 
upbringing? Like, did, have you spent a lot of time on the track? Is it a real passion of yours or why track-tastic, not road-tastic? Well, I think the reason for track-tastic is that it was an easy way to bring people together in like, you know, a space that's confined. And it was different than, well, a lot of the time at the clinic that I work at, we see like a, a lot of road runners, some trail runners too, but like, I would say the majority are road runners. Um, and so just something that was different for the road runners that maybe seemed like a little bit intimidating. Um, and then personally for me, um, I grew up doing track and field and cross country. So I did um, track and field like in elementary school and then through high school. And then I actually ran on the varsity team at the University of Windsor, um, both track and cross country. So track was a big part of my life from kind of like, I don't know, 10 until 22 probably. And then I graduated and went to Cairo school. And so then just kind of started running further and just kind of on my own because academics needed to be the focus there. And yeah, then I just continued to run further and turns out I'm better at that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what do you find like, so now you mentioned in the clinic, you're mostly treating road runners. Do you find that there's that most of them do track or do you find that there's like kind of a disconnect between, um, not a disconnect, that's probably the wrong word, but do most of them have a comfort level with the track? I think it depends a little bit on the person and maybe like what team they're training with, or if they're training with a team or if they have a training plan, just kind of how, I guess maybe serious they are with it. Um, And not to say that either way is like right or wrong at all. Um, But people that have been doing it for a while or maybe have a coach. And so I've been given, you know, go do some 800s. Right. And so maybe they've gone to a track and do that. Maybe they haven't. Like, honestly, when I do those types of workouts, I don't go to a track personally anymore. But I would say a lot of the people probably don't have a track background. Like maybe some people did it when they were really young. Um, And then probably any exposure they've had to the track is just workouts for the road. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So hold on here. What the heck is Tracktastic? And <laughs> what, like what events are included? Tell us what this thing is. Great Sorry, question. we jumped all over. We are <laughs> yeah, known to yeah. do that. <laughs> okay. So um, like I said, the big premise and idea of it was to not be like celebrating the person that finished the race first. So we had a bunch of different events One of them was like, predict your finish time. So you had to like, before you ran the race, you had to predict what your finish time was going to be. And then um, from there, you ran the race and you weren't, so you weren't allowed to wear a watch either, obviously. Um, And we didn't have any clock or any timing. So you couldn't see what your time was. You really had to like know yourself. And so that was one of the events. So the no watch time prediction um, How far did you do for that distance? A mile? Yeah, yeah it was a mile. A mile, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so why did you pick a mile in Canada? Why did you pick a mile and not like 1,500 uh, meters or something like that? It's a good question. I don't know, actually. To is tell it you iconic? <laughs> yeah, yeah so. just because it's iconic. And just like okay. because it started at the same, you know, start stops at the same spot. It's easier. Right, right. Yeah. Four mm-hmm. times around the track. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, um, okay and then we had the slowest 100 that one came from like Molly Siddell's um, yeah, yeah. when she did the slowest mile or whatever she does during COVID and it was like 30 some odd minutes. Yes. Um, so the hundred meter was, you know, people can really go slow and we're like, okay, like you gotta, you're running, <laughs> right? Like, the idea was like, you had to like have only one foot on the ground at a time. Yeah. I don't know how great our judging was, but anyways, that was, you know, they were like but right at the had edge. Judges. You and had, you had to actually yeah, be like watching. Just like just yeah, you had to be wa- <laughs> yeah, moving forward. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. And then we had, um, we did do like an all out 400 and actually we had a, some younger um, athletes and someone had just, it was the same weekend as our offsets or our Ontario provincial high school championships. And he had like, I don't know, just been in the top eight at, then the 400 at offset, he came and oh my gosh. he won that one. <laughs> like half um, a lap obviously. ahead of everyone. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then we did relays as well, actually. And we ended yes. up, it was kind of like more and more ke- people came through the day or through the event. And so by the time the relays came, there was like way more people on the track than there ever would be in a normal relay race. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> but I mean, it was kind of fun, right? Because again, like you know, it's fun to kind of be in a pack like that. And it was, it was great to kind of, we had to like find more batons because. Correct. Um, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I never thought of that actually. And that's a good point. So you held this on 
was it a Saturday? I know it was a weekend in Sunday. June, Sunday a Sunday. Afternoon. And now yes. do you find that, so people came out, it was like a three hour event or something like that. And you had yeah. the relays at the end. So yeah. did, did you, did you find people came out, they realized, whoa, this is so fun and joyful and like put put me in coach like put me on a team at the end because they almost like got a comfort level with the environment as the event went on so we did have like a qr code so people could register like on site um which was great because we had it at downsview park which in toronto is not the most accessible unfortunately Mm -hmm. so that was definitely the downfall for it but people in that park were like there to like go do other activities, but that were full. And so some people just like ended up coming over, which was great. Um, and yeah, so we just ended up, they were like, no, 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 this looks like fun. Um, and it was great. Like, I think everyone had a good time. So yeah, so it was, um, it was a lot of fun that way. And then, yeah, I think like once everyone was there, like our entire team, I think, except like myself and like one other person, like got on a relay team and did it. So it was definitely looked very full by the end. That's for sure. That is so fun. Oh yeah. my gosh. Okay. I can, I'm just picturing this um, high energy <laughs> event and you're bringing in people that are just like there to walk their dogs or <laughs> yeah. something like completely not, not track. That's yeah. awesome. Um, okay. So do you feel like you said back to the original mission, it was like, we want to bring joy, run with joy, I think was sort of your tagline. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like it was mission accomplished? Yeah, I think so. It was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, And we had like a kids, a little kids race too. They did 400 meters, I think, which was great. So people brought their kids. And that was kind of the idea too of like, this isn't a running event where you have to like leave the family at home and you go do it for hours on end. It was like, bring the whole family. Like there's something for everyone. Like even if someone just wants to do the slowest hundred, like Mm -hmm. it's something for everyone. And so even people that maybe aren't as into running, but like maybe they're trying to like, you know, they're finding it maybe a bit intimidating. And so, you know, they're not really sure about all these running events. Um, we really wanted to make it open to everyone. So I'm curious, what, like, how was it received? How, what feedback did you get from the people that took part? Yeah, I think everyone enjoyed it. Um, that was, we did do a survey after so that we could learn for next year. Um, I think like the one downfall, unfortunately, was the location. Like I said, it's just like mm. not a very convenient location. And unfortunately in Toronto, track access is not great um, in availability. So that's definitely a struggle because it's like, it's at like the end of the subway line. And even then when you get off the subway, it's like a kilometer away. And it's just like, it's quite far where we had it. And we knew that going in that that would probably be, it's kind of like people see that location and they're like, no. (laughs) So that was definitely, and so we're looking at trying to find somewhere, even if it's just like, you know, a, um, concrete track or something at a high school just to try and see like just because we'll get a better turnout I think if it's just more local yeah and I think there's actually something to having it at if you want to call it a less intimidating track like it doesn't have to be the full huge track with the all the markings and eight lanes like it could just be like you said the the little one behind the local high school that's cement and has although I think having it at having like a very non-intimidating race out of track like that is kind of great because then you know let's say those people then will go and watch world championships they're like hey I've like I ran a race on a track like that like that's pretty cool that's a really yeah. good point yeah yeah, absolutely. yeah yeah now you mentioned you know we did the survey because we might want to do it again so is that something that like who who put this on you and the others from the runners Academy? Were you the yeah. main organizers? So the, the four of you are. Yeah. And then we have like a bigger team too. So um, everyone was there and helped out and volunteered. And it was definitely like, by no means, like just me, it was definitely a team effort. Um, yeah. My colleague, Chris actually is the one that coined track tastic. So I won't, I won't take um, credit for that, but we all did spend great name. time. He just, I think was treating one day as he came out and he's like track tastic. And we were like, Okay. Yeah. Um, Oh, I love hearing these origin stories. That's so cool. So there's been talks about, you know, if we did it again, we, you know, maybe have it at a different location or do this or that different. So, yeah, I think our goal is to have it. So we had it on the Sunday after global running day. Hmm. And so I think like, yeah, I think like the plan will be to have a annual event. I will be 
maybe at work and maybe not at that point, but I will support in any way I can. <laughs> we'll stick a pin in that and circle yes. around. <laughs> so you're talking about making it an annual event. Um, how did you feel when you had a copycat reach out to you wanting <laughs> to replicate your event? Do you remember when Carolyn uh, asked you about it? And how did you yeah. feel about that? I mean, honored. Like if, it looks like it was that much fun on social media then. I mean, I think that the, we did a good job. <laughs> well, you know um, what? I reached out to you before it even happened. It was your very first post saying that it was going to happen. So it was probably right. like weeks ahead of oh, it. And so I was like, better. Our advertising was good. No, totally. I was like, who's the genius behind this event? And like, can I copy it? That was, <laughs> that was my exact um, comment to you. And you wrote back like, absolutely. Like, it seemed like you're more than willing yeah. to share. And now I always like to think that, or my mom always told me that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And so Absolutely. I'm glad to hear that it landed as honored because yeah. I, I would never want it to land as like, you copycat, like, can't you think of your own ideas? But we were even, you know, I, I thought this would fly in Winnipeg. Like, yeah. it, I know it would because and I know did. the running community here. <laughs> and yeah. it did. Yeah. But you Which were so great. Kind and generous with like telling us all of this, like what you know your your lessons learned, and mm -hmm. you know what was great and what you would change, and even letting us use the name yeah. Trackastic because it's such a fantastic name. Like <laughs> you were so um, forthcoming with with information. So thank you. Yeah. No, I think like again, like going back to like what is our goal, and it's like well to help as many people as we can find the joy in running, and like if that can go cross country, then amazing, like that's even better, like we can only reach so many people, but if we can, you know, be sharing those things and helping others to help others find the joy, then I think that that's amazing, we're always, yeah. we're always up for that. Yeah. And now did you ever, because I, I truly, if you, I mean, this is your idea and this is your idea to, to spread. And I would be so willing to help, help you spread it if, if that's what you want. But when you conceived of it, did you ever think like, oh, someone's going to copy it in Winnipeg and then somebody maybe else in uh, Vancouver? Like, did you, did you foresee it as a cross Canada thing when you launched it originally? Or were you just like, oh, we'll put this on in Toronto? Yeah, no, not at all. Um, only when you reached out and I was like, oh, we really stirred something up here. That's exciting. <laughs> and yeah, I think like, I, yeah, it's all about just like sharing it. Right. And so the more people that get involved and the more people that we get running, like the better for everyone. Yes. Right. <laughs> I now I'm kind so. of wishing I was more involved in the track community in Calgary. I got to find somebody to like franchise it here for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and now to your point, Brittany, like I picked up the idea from you, but I could not have put it on by myself. Like I had so much help to put it on here. But if there are people listening in Calgary, in Charlottetown or somewhere that are listening and think, hey, I kind of want to get this started in my community. Are you open to that? And what would the next steps be for somebody? Way to put her on the spot there, Carol. <laughs> I know. Eh? I should have asked you about this before. <laughs> no, no, all good. I mean, obviously, I would talk to my team, but they seemed all pretty excited about the idea of it going to different places. So my short answer would be yes please reach out. We can at least talk about it. Um, and we would be happy to share, you know, what we learned, what we found worked, what didn't work and kind of just like that premise behind it. Um, so yeah, reach out and let's, let's chat. Let's get everyone on the track. No kidding. It's, it was so much fun here. Like, so we had ours on August 30th. So we, we kept many of the same events that you did. I'm not sure if there was anything really that we changed in terms of the events. Like we wanted them to all, almost all start and finish at the finish line. Like yeah. that was really important to us. And I was really glad that we did it like that because yeah. like, let's say we could have had a 200, right? But then it's starting halfway across the track and it kind yes. of breaks up that it energy. It, up, it yeah. had sort of a vibe going on at the finish line. It was yeah. so fun. The only one that didn't start there was the 100, the right. slowest 100, which, oh, that was my favorite one of oh. all. Like, it was so funny. Like, okay, tough to so watch. Question. Like, tough to watch. <laughs> How long did it take? Like, in Toronto and in Winnipeg, what was the slowest 100 time? 
Um, that's a great question. And I'll look it it's up as question. we're talking and, and get back to you. We, we had it all time. So I do. Yeah, have the time, yeah. I don't know it off the top of my head. Right. Um, are coming through. I want to know about the slow people. Like, tell me well, about but that's why people. it was fun, right? Like, and so the other <laughs> event that I didn't mention was the age graded 800, which was really cool yeah. because we actually had like a dad and a daughter that ended. And one was like definitely in master's track and one was definitely in like track and they ended up being like really close when it was age graded. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And just like, it was interesting. Like it did end up that like the faster people were, did kind of come out on top, but there was a few where it was like a 12 year old girl ended up like actually doing quite well. <laughs> interesting. Okay. Well, I just did a post on this because I, um, I've been doing posts about ours as our pictures have been coming in. So in the nice. ladies race, they, People who landed on the podium in the 800 meters, so first, second, and third in the age-graded 800, actually finished seventh, first, and fourth. Interesting. Yeah. So it, But the men's race was less dramatic, I would say, in okay. that sense. The first, second, third on the podium actually finished second, third, and fourth. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but the yeah. so I think it's educational, honestly. This age grading thing mm. is that the person who finished first in the men's race was like a 32 year old, right? So he was right. eight seconds ahead of second place, but okay. he finished fourth when it was all age graded. Interesting. Okay, I was gonna like you had lost me there about 30 <laughs> seconds ago, and I was like, Carolyn, I don't get this at all, but you just explained that really nicely. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically you can go online and like literally put in like age graded races or something. And there's like, you just put in times and ages and it pops out as to like what their time actually was. It's pretty neat. It really is. So it sort of solves that problem. Like whose performance was better across, yes. you know, ages, genders, different distances, um, mm -hmm. track stuff, road races, all of it. You can, you can you can compare anything, especially in, in track and field too. It's funny. My husband was a field athlete. He threw javelins and there's also there, we used to always play around with the Mercier scale. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm -hmm. So that's where you can compare different track and field events to each other too. So oh. like you can compare like the marathon to like a javelin throw. And let me tell you, it took me a while to beat him in that darn javelin <laughs> throw. Like it, I think it was not until I was in like the two forties that I actually surpassed him and he would like, look at all the stuff I'm doing. He's like, yeah, no, you're definitely better than me. <laughs> really? I have yeah. never, ever heard of this. these things and validate them. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know that it's validated, but I'm winning now. So we'll keep it at that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's probably, maybe we'll, we'll circle back to track, track tastic as we go along. That's probably a really good lead into, um, tell us a little bit more about your running. Yeah. You mentioned that yeah. you ran at the university of Windsor and you did sort of the track and cross country stuff, but you are a phenomenal marathoner with a <laughs> 233 marathon, like an elite marathon runner. Um, how did that all come to be? Like what's, what's, I, I heard you on the women, yeah, exactly. On the women run Canada podcast, you said that you just loved beating the boys in elementary school. So that's where it all started for you. Yeah. So that's where it all started. I, yeah, I, in, you know, grade three or whenever they let you start doing cross country, we would like do loops of the school or whatever. And yeah, it turns out I could beat the boys. And so, um, I found that quite fun and, you know, I had success when I was young. And so of course you keep doing it because it's fun to win. Yep. <laughs> and then in high school, um, I, I would also say too, I actually was very lucky. Like one thing that I've realized is that I just happen to be very lucky to land in the place I was, which is way out in the country in Ontario. Wait, what city? I went to high school in Brighton, Brighton, which is like oh. an hour and a half um, yes. east of Toronto, just off the 401. So it's like yep. very accessible, but for whatever reason, I had no choice in like high school or elementary school to go to. It was like, this is literally the only one for a 50 kilometer radius. So this is where you will go. So obviously it's a big school, but it just also happened to have like a great track program. Like track was the cool sport to do. It was East Northumberland Secondary School. And so it was like just so lucky that I ended up going there because what I've realized in working with runners at like different ages and, and even just like having more exposure to different demographics is that I always thought literally probably until I was 
I don't know, close to 30, like that everyone had the opportunity to run and people chose not to, because that had been my mm-hmm. experience. Right. right. Because everyone in like at my elementary school, like actually funny, there was a teacher that came that ran at the university of Windsor and she was like, had all the records and she just happened to do like a, like fill in at the elementary school I went to like just bizarre things. And then the high school I went to had a great track and field program. Like they won their first qualifier for offset for like 30 years by the time I got there in a row Mm -hmm. Um, and just great coaches. And so obviously again, like that's fun. You do well, you continue on. Um, I got to go to the university of Windsor for track. Um, I was there while Melissa Bishop and Noel Moncom, Dana Pitoreski were all there, like all former like Olympians now. Yeah, Yeah. Which was amazing. And I mean, I was not by any means like a standout in university. I was like good enough to make the team, but I was by no means like that good. Um, Mm. so I had, you know, fun and it was a lot of still brought me a lot of joy. And then after university, like I just kept running kind of training like we would in university and then started to run a little bit further, but like nothing crazy. I did a few half marathons and like I ran fine. It was nothing where you'd be like, oh, she's got a future in the marathon. Mm. Um, And then once I graduated, I ran my first marathon. I just coached myself again, kind of just training the same way, not really knowing what I was doing. Um, and the first one I ran 256, it went really well. I ran Ottawa again, like totally naive, like did not know what I was doing. And so then after that, my husband who's in finance, he just like went to town on all the numbers comparing like my splits to the um, elite splits and like, what was the difference and all of this stuff. And so at that point it was like, okay, like maybe I should like get a coach and actually try and figure this out. And then I, um, I worked with Nicole Stevenson, who's, I'm a former, like very top level, um, Canadian, uh, runner. And then, um, and she had a group of women in Toronto, which was amazing. Like just the best group there could be for me at that point in my running. And so then, yeah, from there, it just kind of, spiral than I've run. I've run 12 marathons, trained for 14. And uh, yeah, I've been able to be on some elite start lines that would have never been, you know, I would have never like dreamt Boston. of. Boston and Berlin, which were both amazing. Um, like I was on the elite start line last year um, before Elliot Kipchoge ran the uh, world record and, you know, Kira D'Amato sat behind me on the bus. And then I talked to Dina Castor before the race and I was like, what is life right now? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is like every day for me. Yeah. No, I definitely had to be like, no, be cool. Be cool. Be cool. Yeah. (laughs) So do you get imposter syndrome? Um, like maybe in scenarios like that, but I mean, with the marathon, like you're really just there to run your own race. And so- no, like, I think, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say I have imposter syndrome at this point in my career. Um, I feel pretty, like, confident in being able to, like, run my race and get the most out of myself on the day. But in the past, yeah, for sure. I did struggle a lot, um, like, running out of fear that I wouldn't be able to do what I wanted to do on the day um, right. and really worked a lot um, with one of my other coaches, Megan Brown, on that of just, like, the mindset of, like, if you can just let go of all that fear, like turns out you'll be able to run way faster. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So yeah. sorry to interrupt you here, no, but no, no. this is really fascinating to me. So you talk about feeling confident, securing yourself, running your own race now, but at one point having imposter syndrome. So what was the shift? Like, was there a moment that you can really look to that was like, man, I am proud of myself. I am owning this. I am a marathon runner and this is it. Or was it a more gradual process? Like how did, how did that evolution happen for you? Yeah, that's a great question because I think in my head, it was always like, well, if I could just get to this, then I would feel this. Yeah, right. Exactly. And like, Classic. turns out, yeah. turns out as, um, us tip A's are never going to be actually satisfied. Like there's just, I think I've also realized that it's like, there's always going to be like, oh, well, if I can do, you know, I ran 233. Well, okay, well, I want to break 230. And it's like, okay, well, like, let's just pump the brakes here a little bit. But um, I have, I did in my, like in my career, I did have like, I ran 256, then I ran 249. And then I kind of stayed around there for a few years. Like I, I was like 247, 248. Like I just kind of bounced around there. And like, obviously I really went on to break 245. because that was the next, next, you know, round (laughs) number. And, um, (laughs) 
And I think after maybe after I did like the 245, then I had like, I really wanted to break 240 because I, I ran like 241. And so I was like, okay, break 240. And I ran like 240, like I'm still a PB, but it was just like, I was so disappointed, which like, oh, you can't yeah. be right. Like, so I think after that, so probably once I got into the 230s, I was a little bit more just like confident and, and able to just like let myself run versus like feeling like I had to do this. Cause it's like, okay, well, like I've now run, I think when I first broke 240, I ran 236 and it's like, okay, well, like no one can take that away from me. No matter what I do yeah, now, that's a huge like jump. no one. Yeah. yeah. I had like, yeah, my trajectory has been like, yeah, with like kind of like stick around and then jump and then stick around. Ah, um, yeah. And I think like that's, I recognize now, like, I'm never going to be completely like, oh, I gave it like everything I possibly could. I could have not gone a second faster. Like, of course, I believe I could go faster, but, you know, there's, um, yeah, so that's kind of. So it's it's sounding like it's something that you've kind of learned over time and through experience rather than like, I worked with this particular sports psychologist and they helped me break through. It's nothing like that. It's just like recognizing no. like, oh, I'm a type A and I'm like, I'm prone to never being satisfied and to always striving yeah. for things. Like that's an awareness that I think can be <laughs> super helpful for us type A's, right? It's like sure. not bad to want to get, jump to the next level. It's just it's a dance between being satisfied with like again you can't really argue with a pb when you did that pb yeah. of like 240 or whatever you said yeah. 240 and change and it's like sure. disappointment because you didn't break the 240 but still minutes faster than you've ever run before it's like for sure there's clues in that i think for sure and yeah it's like it's easy for me to say like oh yeah you just like run now but it took a long time to get to that point right. um and i think one of the other things i did is like i read a lot of like the running books too right like yeah. i read um dina castor's book i found was really helpful just like mm-hmm. her shifts in mindset and that was the one thing i had to fangirl and tell her when i saw when i met her totally, <laughs> and i was like okay yeah. i'll go back to being cool um mm-hmm. and like run happy i found that book was really good too again just like mm-hmm. taking it all into perspective of like like it's just running and like my entire world is just, is running mostly, right? Like my jobs, <laughs> jobs are running. And when I, what I spared, uh, what I spend my spare time doing is running. So, you know, and I've had, I've also like within that period of time, like had some major injuries too, that have taken me out and like out for months. Um, but like, being able to like also have the confidence that like, I know I can come back stronger. I know I can like still work at these things. I think it's just like, it's just experience over time. And so well, that's what I'm hearing is that it was experience, right? It was like lots of years of chipping away <laughs> and <clears throat> you just finally having that belief that you've always had in yourself validated, right? If yeah. I just keep going. For sure. For sure. And, and I think in the last few years too, it's also really been making sure that I'm enjoying the process, like the day in and day out of the training, because I mean, it's been like my, my um, first marathon was 2014 Ottawa. So like this coming May, it'll be like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so like also making sure that like, I'm enjoying every time I go out there. So like, no matter what, like I've enjoyed my training. I'm enjoying the process of getting to the race. And therefore you're able to just enjoy the race a lot more too. And if you're enjoying it, and like this even comes back to like what we talked about from the Runners Academy is like that run for joy. Like if you are truly enjoying it, like the results are going to come. And regardless, like you're going to enjoy it. So that should be really like the main thing that we're all after anyways. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. There's so much in this. Um, (laughs) I want I want to um, pause on the point that you ran your first marathon in 2014. Mm-hmm. Coming up soon, like we're gonna blink, and it's gonna have been 10 years. Like I'm always saying to people, you can get better at the marathon for like 10 years, like pretty much from when you start, you know, at at the marathon. Um, but Holy smokes, have you gotten good at the marathon? Like, (laughs) honestly, I was looking on your athletics Canada and it's like relatively you're way better at the marathon, even than other distances, like even the half marathon. Now, do you think that's just because you haven't put the time and energy into being your very best at the half marathon? Or do you just think that there's something about that particular distance of the marathon that fits with your strength? 
Yeah, that's definitely something that you you don't want to put your marathon, your goal time into a, a calculator before a race, because you will find that I've none run of none of the other times. So that's mildly intimidating and have made that that's mistake That's exciting to me. <laughs> yeah. Exciting to me. Yeah. So in regards to the other distances, I would say, again, yes, I would say absolutely like my strength is the marathon 100%. I think I could have run faster in the half marathon, but it was just never the priority. I mean, I ran a half marathon this past spring, but I was not like trained for a half. And I actually, like I ran fairly well, all things considered and pretty close to my PB, but my PB is from 2019. And that was like a really good race. But in like the last four years, like I've also definitely improved by like minutes in the marathon. And so I am sure if I was to like really go in with like the goal of running a half, I would have run faster. Um, right. It just never worked out that it, because I ran Berlin last year. So it was like, there, it was too early to run. I'm half beforehand. Um, and so I think the half marathon is more so just like prioritizing that being the goal, which it just like never really was. And then with the five and 10, like I'll usually do them like in my lead ups again, two marathons. And so again, it's just like, they're not necessarily the focus. Like, I mean, I run my, my five KPB and like you know, the middle of a build of a marathon. So it's like, it's probably not my best, but that's also like right. how I get the fittest. So I don't know. Awesome. Well, um, you mentioned being up on the elite start line, Berlin, and actually very fitting, right? Because as, at the time of this recording on September 18th, Berlin is coming up this yeah, weekend. And so it'll be a year since you were in Berlin on the elite start line there. And um, you've also been on the elite start line, Boston 2021. Is that when they had it in the fall? that year that they had in the fall. So I was there actually ah. watching because my husband ran it that year. Um, so what's it like? Like, what is the coolest part about, because we mere mortals do not know what it is like <laughs> to like be put in the church at the at yeah. Boston. And, and so kind of like walk us through how that experience might be different from the masses. Yes. Um, okay. So I would say when I am amongst those people, I am also a mere mortal. <laughs> um, so Boston, it was actually, so they take us in coach buses, not the uh, school buses. So I've always been like a, they'll give me the bid, but like, they're not paying for anything else for me. So I'm like, you know, obviously paying for my own trip, paying for my own, own hotel. So I'm not like actually staying at the hotel all the elites are staying at. I just like get to crash their tech party and like the day of things. You know, I always joke. I'm like, well, they need people to like fill in behind, which I'm like more than happy to do. And I'm taller, <laughs> taller than most of them. So you can still see me when I'm on the start line. Um, and so Boston's really cool because you meet in the hotel. Like they have like a room that's like all for the elites. Um, and they check you in. They actually check your shoe. They check the shoe the day before, I think, and your and your kit because you're you're not allowed to have like specific logos and everything. Same kind of thing as in track. Um, but your shoe, obviously, shoes are like a hot topic these days when running. And they actually put like a sticker on it. And so, like, say I was in the top ten, which I was not. They could like then check to make sure you're wearing that same shoe. Oh. Um, and then as you're leaving the hotel, all the staff come out and like clap you out. It's so Oh cute. my gosh. Yeah. And then <laughs> um, you get on. Yeah. Very cool. And then you get on the buses and like, they give you lots of room in the elites. Like no one's sharing a, uh, you know, a bench at all. Like everyone's like just very spread out. And then they actually close the highway when they're driving you up. Like no. I was like, what's happening? Because there was all these like cops on motorcycles. And I was like, what's going on? And they, um, yeah, they go off every um, off ramp and they like close it for while the buses are going by for the oh my gosh. Holy intense. Oh my goodness. Police escort closed roads. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Crazy. Yeah. And then you get out and you go to this church that's like right beside the start line. And then everyone grabs these mats. They have like, well, at the time it was John Hancock mats. And I didn't really know about that. And there ended up being like, not enough mats for everyone. So you have to like really like get over there and get one. And then they have like, they had like Morton there and coffee. Hey, well, and I don't know, what were the mats for? Like for stretching and on. relaxing on? Okay. Yeah. To sit down. Oh, okay. and actually there was actually a couple of, they must've been new moms because a couple, there was at least one woman that like had to go and use like a breast pump, which I was like, you're amazing. Um, yeah. You are goals right now. Um, yeah. So like there's, yeah, this huge church and you can just kind of go wherever in it. And then there's like a, <laughs> they're like, there's like literally a hundred meters behind. It's just like the driveway you can like warm up on. 
And so it was like, you're just like running around this like hundred meter thing with like, you know, all these like famous people in your life. Like, you're like, oh my God, like what's happening? In the church parking lot. Yeah. yeah in the church parking lot. Um, and then you go, yeah, then they, so this one, they, the men went first and then the women went second, which it's been different before, yeah. but yeah. because I think it was still like COVID. So they wanted everyone separated out. So basically the problem with that though, because we started before everyone else too, is that as a sub-elite marathoner, you are basically, because I'm not going to be in the front. Like my husband was like, how long were you like with the leaders for? And I was like, um, at the start line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, You're like I'm not going out at 220 pace. No. And so, yeah. So I mean, there was like, I did actually get to run my goal for Boston. I was not trying to PB because I was planning to do CAM later that fall. So I went to like run a strong race um, and run with people. And I ran with a group of women for up to 26K until we hit the hills where I was like, I did not train for these hills, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was amazing. Cause then it was like, then I was running the Boston course alone, which yeah. was like a cool experience. Okay. Until wait. the sub-elite men caught me. <laughs> oh, right. Cause you went first. Okay. okay. I was going to say like, so you're running alone. Like did, did the crowd go absolutely nuts for you then? Like when they saw you coming or like yeah, what the was, crowd that was like? good yeah 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 I would say I was like pretty like in my zone but yeah no the crowd was good um especially on the hills because I probably looked like I was suffering and losing the pack <laughs> <laughs> well you're making it sound like you had a really terrible day didn't you run like mid 230s 236 no I ran 239 just under that one. And which was, so when I ran Boston the first time I had run 249. And so I was like, if I, yeah, if I could be like 10 minutes faster, I think that'd be good. Well, that's great. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think anyone would take a, a 10 minute, but like you said, it, it was an evolution from the 249 because you ran oh, other races sure. in between. Right. So yeah, there's yeah, yeah. still, you're still possibly prone to that. Like that wasn't my best day. And oh like, yeah. Well, and I, that wasn't the focus of that race. That race was just like, they accepted me applying to it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to say no, obviously. So, um, but the goal was to run CIM later that year and go for a PB there. And that is exactly what you did. Isn't that where your PB of 233.37 is from CIM that same year? Yeah. And what was that day like? Because everybody remembers their PB day. It was so good. (laughs) Magical? Yeah. Yeah, it was great. CIM is great. That was the second time I had ran it. Um, they do a great job with the elite athletes. Um, they actually, because it's not a major, I actually, they actually did cover like hotel and stuff. So I was sitting with another mm-hmm. athlete, which is really like just a cool experience. And yeah, the race was great. Like it just was one of those days where it just, you know, clicked and uh, kept clicking the whole way, which was great. And CIM, I mean, you know, I think on my Athletics Canada, it's like there's an asterisk beside it because it doesn't actually count because um, it's a point to point and because it's a net downhill, which like Boston is too. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's not like, I mean, for me, it's it counts because I'm not running any world records or anything, but um, technically in the rankings, it doesn't count. Okay. Uh, well, we could probably go race by race uh, for, for the rest of this, but you mentioned something about when you were at the little church in the boss waiting to start Boston that some rock star was like pumping and, you know, obviously she has a little one and yeah. um, that sort of brings us into some exciting news that you shared not too long ago on your Instagram, but I believe you're coming up to the halfway mark of your own first pregnancy. Yes. Um, Congratulations. And um, what can you tell us about how it's been going? How are you feeling? Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, And this, well, it's funny because I, you know, talk about the marathons and like, obviously I could have kept going for forever. Like I would go until, you know, keep training, (laughs) but you know, my body can only produce a baby for so long. And so I did have to, I actually, after I ran that CIM in 2021, that was supposed to be like the, like, okay, now we're going to you know, take some time away and start a family. But then I ran 233. And as we were walking back to the hospital, or to the hospital, to the hotel, my husband was like, you can like go for another year, like see what you can do. Whoa. So this is okay. He's your biggest support. Yeah. He's great. 
Um, so yeah, so it's kind of just funny that way that like it was, it should have been a year ago, but um, it's mm-hmm. okay because we're we're here and we're healthy, happy and healthy and ready to go. So yeah, I am just under 19 weeks now. So once everyone's big races start coming, I'll be over halfway, which I was kind of laughing at. I was like, well, you could train for a marathon for 20 weeks or you could have a half cooked baby. Right. <laughs> What's um, harder? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so honestly, I've been feeling amazing, like to the point where I was so anxious in the first trimester because I was like, everyone talks about how awful everyone feels and I feel so good. Mm-hmm. I'm not so good. I was very tired, like to the point where I was like, I have trained for 14 marathons and I have never felt like this before. Like how mm-hmm. do women that have not done things like train for marathons, like deal with this? It was crazy. Yeah. Um, but oh. no illness, like no nausea. Yeah, really, that was the only symptom that made me, so it made me really anxious that I was like, how do I know I'm pregnant? Like, maybe that was just why, like, I don't know. Um, And the running actually, and as someone that's like quite educated, I'm a coach, I'm a chiropractor that sees mostly runners. I'm like pretty well versed, and I've been running since I was 10. Like, I'm pretty well versed in my body and in running. And I was, anytime I've talked to any healthcare practitioner, I'm always like, but I run, like, is that okay? Is that, I was just like very, I've always had it in my head that like running would be not good for this, but I did keep running in the first trimester. I only ran just like easy. I just like, honestly didn't have the desire or energy to do anything more than that. I ran like 60 to 70 K per week, which for me is not much. I need to like watch who I say that too, but you know, when I'm trying yeah. to do a marathon, it's like, 140 to 170 K per week. So, um, it was a substantial decrease and you'd think I'd have so much time, but I was sleeping all the time. So I didn't. (laughs) And then now in the second trimester, I have done some workouts and I actually did do a race. Um, and then, um, yeah, I've done some workouts. I've gotten, I ran 85 K last week. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, But it's interesting that you point out like what, you know, you're educated, other people have gone through this, but there's really not that many people that get it on the level of the elite athlete. Mm-hmm. So what resources are you turning to? You had that one um, Instagram post where you were reading a, a book. What was it called? Uh, Emily Oster, I think, was the author. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Expecting Better. Expecting um, Better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, it's tough. Like, I mean, really all the advice I've gotten is like, listen to your body, which like sounds like good advice, except that you're, I'm a marathon trainer or runner and I mm-hmm. am really good at not listening to my body. Right. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I would say it's been tough because I think I've also tried to be like, I'd rather be able to run further into my pregnancy than like overdo it now. Um, yeah. I have had mm-hmm. some like osteitis pubis before, which is basically like where your pelvis connects that like can be an issue. And I have had some discomfort there. So I am a little bit wary of that. And just that I I do worry that it's going to be like my skeleton eventually is going to be what shuts me down and which will be fine. Like I can cross train, but I first felt the discomfort at like 10 weeks and I was like, no, no, not doing, I'm not doing eight months of cross training. Um, um, so we'll see. Like, I think like, unfortunately, like the best guideline is because I think it's so personal too. Like it's, it yeah. is hard to know how your body's going to take it. And like, so far I feel like pretty normal running. Um, it's funny. I ran on a treadmill that had a mirror like right beside it. And I feel like pretty normal running. And then you look over and you're like, hmm, I usually look like that. <laughs> um, well, I think something you said a few minutes ago about how, you just didn't feel like you were tired, but you just didn't feel like running more than 60 to 70 kilometers, which is less than half of your normal mileage. Yeah. And, you know, again, every woman is different, but I think back to my first pregnancy and I was, yeah, I think I had a half marathon on the schedule three months in and I trained totally fine, woke up the day of that half and had no desire. I'm like, I don't feel like this. And, you know, I think regardless of what your body maybe can do or what you theoretically can do, pregnancy and hormones does definitely affect your mindset too. So I'm actually curious Mm. to ask you about that. Like as a first time mom and elite athlete, um, you struggle a little bit with motivation now? Are you a kind of... Questioning is—is is it actually okay that I don't want to do this today, or is that mm. not an internal struggle of yours? Um, no, I or wouldn't say I've had that yet. I don't know. Like, just wondering um, where you're. Yeah. The first trimester, I would say, was more so that I had to like really manage my energy. Was what I felt like. Oh, okay. Because yeah. for me, like, I have quite a physical job as a Cairo, and like, right. obviously, that has to come first. 
And so I, I think it was more, it was a little bit like I was surprised by how much I had to really cater to that because I mean, like I said, I've run, been running like high mileage and like training really hard for so many years that like, and I've always worked like a lot. <laughs> That's just kind of my, um, the way I approach life is all in on everything. And so that was kind of weird that I was like, oh no, it's not that I necessarily can't run, but if I want to have enough energy to then go to work after like I just yeah. can't do as much. And actually the other big thing for me this summer was heat tolerance. Oh, like yeah. I just had yes. not, like I'm usually someone that can be in, you know, an idiot and go and do their long run at 9am on a Saturday in the middle of summer and like be fine. Like, you know, relatively speaking. Um, but this was like, no, like I ran on the treadmill a ton in July. And um, yeah. so, yeah, I wouldn't say it was a motivation thing. Okay. Yeah. It was just more of a like conserving energy like, and I really did, I, I made myself get and run though, because I was like, if I stop now and like I end up in the second trimester, I don't know that it'll be okay to just like start then. Right. And yeah. I think also too, like there is, there is like good research to show that like exercise is really important for the mom and the baby. And so I wanted to obviously make sure that I was doing it for that and just like my own. And I think it also really helped me feel like me still. Like yeah, I wasn't yeah, just like yeah. a pregnant person. That's I was like, huge. I'm still Brittany and I yeah. still go out and run. Like I always do because right. I love to run. Right. And yeah. that's what brings me the joy. So back to running for joy. Yes. I, I love it. <laughs> I'm on brand. So again, um, back to the, the lady pumping in the, in the church on the elite start line of, um, uh, Boston, will we be, uh, will you be pumping at the start line of any races in the, in the future in 2024, do you think, or have you not thought that far ahead? I mean, I've of course like thought about it, but, um, I, I wouldn't be one that's going to be like put anything out there at this point because yeah. I want to be able to like. I, you know, the more I talk to women um, now, because everyone tells me the truth now that I'm actually already pregnant, um, <laughs> um, that like the recoveries can be crazy, right? So, and really yes. hard. And I already have like some pelvic floor issues that I'm trying to work on. Um, and so, yeah, I don't want there to be a like date of like, I need to run a marathon by X day at all. Um, so we'll see, like, I don't know. I would love to be like, yeah, I'm going to be at CIM in 2024. But I also yeah. thought I was like, maybe I should just put my name in the lottery for New York and maybe I just run it for fun. Um, yeah. yeah. but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. And I think it's right now because it's like, <laughs> I'm like 18 or like just under 19 weeks. And I feel like I'm like gaining fitness at this point, which like seems kind of silly because like for what, <laughs> but, um, but I feel like I'm like, you know, I'm kind of getting into that. Like, yeah. Okay. Like I feel a little bit better. And I'm like, this is pointless, but I mean, it makes me happy. So I guess it's not completely pointless. Um, so yeah, but it's funny how like, and I guess the, the race is coming up too, of course, it gets me to think about them, but yeah, nothing mm -hmm. that I know of, but we'll see. I definitely, yeah. I mean, I'd like to try and, you know, still PB after we'll see. Well, you wouldn't be the first mom to get better after having kids, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's exciting to think about. You got lots of uh, good running years left. What are you, are you 35 or? 36. 36. Okay. Awesome. Now, um, we mentioned this earlier, but you are also a coach with StrideWise Running and you founded StrideWise, didn't you? Yeah. How did that, how did it come to be? So I was a Nike run club coach in Toronto, which was amazing. It definitely like helped me to become where I am today for sure. It was like an amazing experience. And I still think back to those days where we'd have like, you know, hundreds of people running this downtown streets of Toronto on a Wednesday evening. And like, it was like, was that a dream? Like, it's crazy. Um, but it was an amazing experience and definitely put my name out there in Toronto, which was great. Um, but then Nike decided to, like cancel the Nike run club, but people still really wanted that. So I was like, well, I'm just going to start my own team. And like, you know, worst case scenario, it will fail and I will just be a chiropractor and that's fine. That was my plan anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's actually, it'll be, um, five years in December and it has yet to fail. So it's been great. Um, so yeah, we have, I have a team, um, of coaches too. I have four other coaches, um, and then myself and then, yeah, we have about, I would say like 85 to 90 athletes on the roster. Whoa. Oh, that's yeah. huge. Yeah. It's bigger than people think, but a lot of it, yeah. like a lot of it, the correspondence, like my other coaches are not in Toronto. I'm the only one in Toronto. So a lot of it's online. Um, but then we do have practice, um, 
uh, once a week. So people are welcome to come to that. So we usually have like, you know, probably closer to 15 or 20 people come to that, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a nice, a nice size for, for group workouts. Oh, yeah. so if you were to try to boil down your, um, this might be an unfair question, but boil <laughs> down your coaching philosophy into like a little nutshell, what would that be? Um, okay. So the reason, so Stridewise came, like I wanted it to be something where you like focused on the mindset and like, obviously I think like running technique is really important, those types of things. So that's kind of where Stridewise, um, came from. And also because my dad had passed away that summer before I started it. And I really wanted it to be something that like represented him and it's his initials. His name is Stephen Walter. So, um, it took me a long time to decide on a name, but, um, it's a very meaningful to me. I don't know that everyone kind of knows that backstory, but, um, it is something that's really meaningful to me. And then, okay. So my, that was not your question at all, but, um, my coaching philosophy, I would say, um, is like helping people to believe that they can do the big scary thing and then also just having fun along the way. So really, I'm just going to bring it back to that running for joy. Um, And just, you know, yeah, helping people to see that they can do more than they think they can. And so, you know, pushing them a little bit, but then also, you know, holding them back when they need to be held back too. Mm, That's huge whenever you're coaching runners. (laughs) And I think also the nice thing with me now that I'm not training because usually I would be also training right so like there's a little bit of my own like selfishness within my own training but since I'm not I have felt like I have a little bit more to give for everyone this year and so I've really enjoyed like you know I've had a bunch of people in this week that are running Berlin or running Chicago and because Mm -hmm. I've done them I can be like oh so these are like some of the key things that I remember from those races like you know trying to really like share my experiences too because I feel like over like the decade that I've been training for the marathon like I have learned a lot as we have discovered. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I bet you people feel so grateful to have you as their coach. Holy smokes. Like just to um, be coming at it from so many different angles that you can relate to it, like as an athlete, as a um, healthcare practitioner, as a coach, holy, that is just like, you're so well-rounded in that way. But um, on that note, I'm curious, do you feel you make a bigger impact on people as a Cairo? Or as a coach, or are they, is that even a fair question? Oh, I, I know they know. I like I have to like call up a patient or an athlete, or, yeah. or actually maybe ask the ones that I see for both, and then ask them which, yes. one, more, which one I'm more impactful. I'm gonna have to ask some people tomorrow. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think okay, it maybe depends on like, <laughs> is it like they're coming to see me as the Cairo, and like they're like, I don't know if I can make it to the start line. I need this to heal then like, then I'm probably the most impactful if I can heal that for them or like, not that I'm feeling it, but like if I can get them better for race day. Um, But I think with the coaching, I've been really lucky to get to work with some people over a really long period of time. Well, you know, or like a few years at least. And like, that's really fun because you can help them to evolve as a runner too. And so I think probably in the grand scheme of like a person as a runner, that's probably a bit more impactful. Um, But certainly I would say in a more like acute setting, like if you are injured, then if I can help you get out of that injury. And and I always try also to like approach it from as many angles as I can. So like with the run technique, with strength, with mobility, like what's missing from your routine and like, you know, or if it's a stress fracture, it's like, why did that happen? That's a really good answer. You know, the acute versus the long term. And, you know, as somebody who also wore the hat of a physio and then a coach at the same time a few years ago. You can't take one off and put the other on. You're always wearing a little bit of both hats. Yeah. And and you always are going to bring knowledge from both areas of your life into what you're doing. For sure. um, so it really wasn't a fair question. This but, um, <laughs> no. You said you live and breathe running and everything you do. And I think that is honestly the holy grail when, when really you have to ask yourself, is this really work? Or is this fun? Or is mm-hmm. this something I feel ethical charging for because I'm having so much fun? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is where you're at the point of like, this is it, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Yeah. I feel very grateful for my passion and my yeah work to uh, coincide for sure. Like I am yeah. Yeah, beyond grateful. That is for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I imagine that you interact with many recreational athletes. Do you ever see like common themes amongst recreational runners? Like, oh, if they just did this, like they, you know, mm-hmm. um, are there any that sort of come to mind as like, you could be so much better or healthier or love it more or, or whatever, if you just fill in the blank? Mm, okay. Yeah. A few things. So like slow down your easy runs, right? <laughs> Preach. Like, yeah. Like, 
Um, I think so. One of the things is just like um, as a recreational runner, you just don't have as much bandwidth of paces, right? When you come from like track and field, you understand that like your 400 meter pace is much different than your 3K pace. And then that's also much mm -hmm. different than your long run pace, right? So mm -hmm. having that background is really um, like an advantage. So people that don't have that, you can understand that like, yeah, they want to go out there and like run the fastest they can every time. Um, and obviously that has a, a limit and also a risk. Um, mm -hmm. but, but even still, just like the people that are maybe even a little bit more experienced, they still just run too fast. Like you're running too hard on your easy runs. Like that's yes. not the point. Um, yes. and then that's taking away from your quality runs. Right. Um, right. and then oh, I had another idea and I forgot now. Oh, the strength that you have to do strength as an aging person, like you need to do strength. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, I would say mindset of just like, you are the only, like you get to control what is said between your ears. And so practicing that too. Anytime I, what I've been telling people a lot lately is like, anytime the run gets hard, the workout gets hard, like that's your opportunity to practice for when it gets hard on race day. Because I think sometimes people think they're going to train for the race and then the race is going to be easy, which is not how it works. You're training hard because the race is hard. And so anytime that those runs get hard, like use that as an opportunity of like, yes. okay, well, what are you going to say to yourself when in yeah. those moments? Because it's going to happen. So those would be, totally. yeah, I think like slow down, do your strength, and then work on your mindset. And read Dina Castor's oh. book. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and now Lauren's and Dez's and Kara's. Yes. Oh, yes. All such great books. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Such great books. Okay. Well, back to the um, the elite person would just have like a bigger toolbox of paces to choose from. Like, oh, I'm running my mile pace and my 3K pace. I really think that Trash-tastic <laughs> coming full circle can help with that, right? Because yes. then you will start to understand like, oh yeah, this is my 400 meter pace. Like this is a sprint, you yes. know? <laughs> and, um, and this is my mile pace that, you know, I predicted. Like mm -hmm. you could predict your easy pace pace for the mile. Like yeah. the winner is the person who is like bang on. And at our track tastic, we had the the guy winner was um he was like less than a second. Oh wow. Like he was that close. And I think it was yeah. the same honestly for the woman too. Yeah. Um so it's like when you get um experienced, you can be like I feel like I know what pace I'm going because I just can tell what it feels like. This is how much I have to move my arms. This is how my knee yes. drive, how high I need to lift my my knees up. And um, and you can get better at that. And it's just a skill that you just For practice. Sure. And, and um, yeah, so I think, you know, bringing it back around to, to Tractastic. And then to answer our question from before, I looked it up. Our slowest 100 person was 1 minute 32.81 seconds. <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, I think we had like, I want to say there were like 10 minutes. Like it was 10 long. minutes. I don't know exactly what it was. We may not have actually recorded that time as we were all just there watching it. <laughs> but I was it was say one minute for a hundred meters. That's 10 minutes for a kilometer. That's not that slow. I mean, it's slow. One, one and a half minutes. Oh, one, one and a half minutes. One thirty-two. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. that's walking. Yeah, that's definitely a, a Michael Jackson walk, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was like some that. questionable whether it was running for sure. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we we had a couple judges. I was one of them and we were like on it. Okay. <laughs> we well, like that'll be our goal for next year too. We'll need to be on it a little bit more for the slowest 100. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so there you go. If this franchises across the country, there's going to have to be competitions between Yes. Yes. That's true. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ooh, I love well, that. Endless, endless. <laughs> Truly endless. Like we have to have another meeting. Yes, definitely. The Tractastic meeting. I love it. There you go. Okay. So yes, if if we have piqued your interest, if anyone's like, hmm, I want to put on a Tractastic, like we are here for you. I'm happy to talk to anyone. Brittany's happy to talk to anyone about what we learned and what our experience was, but it, it really was a blast, a total, total blast. People in Winnipeg had so much fun. They're all looking forward to it next year. The sponsors were all happy to take oh. part. We have other sponsors that are like, oh, you know, I want to be a sponsor next year. And, and 
please. This is exactly yeah. the type of thing we'd, we'd like to get behind. So were yeah. you going to say something about your sponsors? Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. So we actually had like ASICs came out and they had like a shoe trial. We had Circle K there with snacks and refreshments. Um, so it was great. We had like, a, like you said, kind of along that finishing stretch, like a bit of a, you know, a vibe going on. We had yeah. cowbells and music and yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. We're, we're definitely not done with Tractastic. We're going to be putting it on again here in Winnipeg. Certainly, certainly next summer, but we're, we're almost thinking about a winter version on the indoor track. So just put that in your hat there. (laughs) Yeah. Like truly the possibilities are, are endless. So Brittany, if people are, are loving what they heard about you and want to follow along, where do you want to point them to? Do you have a, a, the social, I know you've got a very active Instagram. I love following your Instagram. Yeah. So I do have a very active Instagram. I post three times a week. Um, so yeah, following me there is probably the best place to get to know me. Um, and you know, you can always reach out too. Um, and it's at TO running Cairo. Excellent. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for your time sharing all of your wisdom with us tonight. And um, congratulations on the pregnancy. And I know you're almost at that halfway mark. When's the due date? February 14th. (gasps) Valentine's Day? Really? Well, and they were like plus or minus two weeks. So February, basically. Exactly February. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. All right. Winter baby. Okay. Well, I hope the rest of the pregnancy goes as, as well as the first half. And thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. 